On this episode of Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge Podcast from Scoop News Group, creating a culture around security and privacy. This is Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge Podcast. Every other Tuesday, we dive deep with decision makers on what's next in higher education IT and online learning. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Higher education institutions need to take a campus-wide and cultural approach to make security and privacy efforts successful. Ben Welk is a governance, awareness, and training manager at the Rochester Institute of Technology. He's leading an upcoming learning lab workshop from Educause on the topic. He tells EdScoop's Lindsay McKenzie how he got into security and privacy and what universities need to know about instilling those principles into their culture. I think, like many of us, we did not start out in cybersecurity. I don't even... I'm sure it wasn't even a possibility when I was in doing my bachelor's degree. I actually came to Rochester as a doctoral student in history, 16th century French humanism, and did not finish. I got through my orals, did not finish the dissertation. I started working as a technical communicator and worked for several of the area Fortune 500s and eventually did some work with Xerox supporting their infrastructure client group, which is people who work with the end users and all of the other IT stuff that you would think of, and worked with their security group on some projects. And eventually one of those people came out to RIT and they needed some help with communications temporarily and invited me to join their team. And that was a six month temporary position, which has stretched into 18 years at this stage. So coming in without the security background, but I also think that that's given me some pluses. What does a typical day look like for you at Rochester? So that's a hard question with security people, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have what we think our day is going to be, and then we have what actually happens. Um, I'm actually working hybrid. So I am primarily working from a home office. As you know, I teach, I'm an adjunct professor at Rochester Institute of Technology. So one of my classes, I do go in face-to-face, but that's a 5 p.m. class. Typical day is spent meeting with the team, meeting with customers, working on security awareness materials. We hire a good number of student employees in our office and I hire from the communication side, not from the technical side. So I work with them in terms of what's our communication strategy, how can we implement it? And I'm excited excited and a bit intimidated right now because there are four new students on the team and bringing them up to speed on all of the different materials and things they're interested in. It's exciting, but it's also a bit of a challenge. I understand that you will be leading an Educores Learning Lab starting January 30th, I believe. Um, how did you get into that? Have you worked with Educause previously? So I've been involved with Educause since about 2008 and have been part of what was their awareness and training working group. And now it's their awareness and education group, I think is our current name for it. And was involved in working with colleagues at different universities on different types of um, what I would call deliverables, different products. Several years ago, I think... Um, actually several years, probably 10 years ago at least, I started offering a pre-conference seminar in person at the Educause Security Professionals Conference. And that was designed around what we're seeing with the Learning Lab in terms of helping people create a security awareness program that was effective. So I had done it and partnered with people for a number of years at the live conferences, but 
when the opportunity came to do the learning lab, so they I was asked can, if I wanted to participate in doing a learning lab. So I did this back in August, and there was an there was enough demand that we're doing it again, you know, starting in January. But it's it's exciting because it's a new way to deliver content. It's a new way to reach people who can't come to a conference in person. And it's also a great way to connect practitioners at these different universities with each other. So I think that's a real plus that comes out of it as well. Could you give us a little preview of some of the topics you'll be covering and, and things that participants will be learning? Sure. So this learning lab, and I'm actually doing a second learning lab in March, um, but the learning lab, this learning lab is on um, developing a culture of security and privacy at a university level. And what we do is we get a group, a cohort, I think we'll probably have 18 to 20 participants. And I work with them to help them think strategically about security and privacy awareness. One of the challenges of being in information security is that we tend to be very reactive. Something comes in the door, we send out a communication. Something new happens, then we react to it. The goal of the learning lab is to help people understand and start creating the elements of a strategic security or privacy awareness plan. Sometimes it's both, depending on the university. And to help them understand concepts of different audiences, who their partners might be on campus, who they maybe they have external partners they can collaborate with. What is the key messaging that they want to do? So what I'm really doing is helping them create a strategic plan around security awareness, um, helping them start to define what those goals might be. And towards the end of it, they end up doing most of the work on this afterwards, but creating like a monthly plan on what are they going to focus on that specific month. So October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So that's an easy topic because that's what we'll focus on that month. But typically phishing is a big problem. So we'll have a month we focus on phishing. We'll focus on passwords and password vaults, secure data handling, all of that sort of thing. But the main goal of this for me is to get people so they're really thinking programmatically and strategically about what they're trying to accomplish with security awareness or privacy awareness. And that strategic reinforcing messaging, having the right messaging is what helps change culture, which is takes a while. Obviously, it's not a, oh, I'm going to communicate for one year and we've totally changed our campus culture. What kind of commitment are you looking for from people participating in the learning lab? So what the expectation is really participation. The Yes, there are homework assignments, but they are small. I don't need to see a complete strategic awareness plan at the end of it. What I want them doing is working on some specific elements, providing that for feedback, just really kind of getting them moving forward and being really being available at any point afterwards if someone has questions about it. But the home, homework load is very light. And the, a lot of the excitement with the way we've I've structured this is that we have a lot of time where they're working in pairs or they're working in small groups and people are getting to talk to each other. And with our COVID years where no one was really interacting very much, 
that's been very, I think, fruitful for the discussions. And who is the ideal participant? Are you looking for someone in a particular stage of their career? Does it have to be information security professionals? Who do you think this is a good fit for? So I think primarily it could also be information, it could be information security professionals, but it could also be privacy um, professionals. Most universities are starting to, if they already have them, they're starting to have privacy officers. And the privacy programs generally are well behind, at least for now, behind state security awareness um, programs. But I think for an ideal participant, I'm looking for someone either who's feels like they've been totally thrown into the deep end and they come from a technical background and this idea of having to communicate with end users um, or customers is challenging for them. But by the same token, I think, you know, if we have people in who've been doing it for a year or two, they add um, depth to what we're talking about. But I always learn from the participants and the strategies that they're putting forward. So it's, I don't say it's necessarily the ideal person is everyone, but it is certainly anyone who has a customer facing role and is, is responsible for communicating about either security or privacy topics. And thinking about those topics of campus security and privacy, what are some of the biggest challenges facing campuses right now? So one of the challenges of being a university is you are trying to balance openness and availability with privacy. So everyone wants to be able to do everything. Everyone wants to be able to have the newest technology, do the newest things because it's a university. By the same token, we have faculty, staff, and students whose information is private or confidential that we need to protect. So that makes it a challenge um, because you're balancing openness versus privacy. But the other aspect is that we really play different roles with the different audiences. For faculty, staff, we provide their IT support services, so printer work, all of that sort of thing. For students, we are also ISPs. So we are providing their access to the internet. And that is a very different role than providing secure resources um, for the university. So I think part of it's the challenge of the roles. We have very bright computing students. They like to experiment with things. And in some ways, a student can end up being one of our challenges in terms of a potential threat too, whether they choose, you know, whether it's deliberate or not. If you could persuade campus IT leaders to take one action this year to improve campus security and privacy, what would it be? So I think multi-factor authentication is a key component to securing um, infrastructures in general. We have a lot of phishing and scam type attacks directed at the university, social engineering attacks. And they're trying usually to compromise an internal account so they can send out more spam what multi-factor authentication does is if someone does happen to surrender their login credentials or username and password, that only gets the attacker so far because with the multi-factor, they have to have that additional factor to be able to get into the account. So many of the universities are using um, products by Duo or other similar products. And what we get for me, if I try to log into an account, 
I will get a prompt either on my phone or I may have to have a security token or something like that that I have to authorize in addition to me logging in. So just getting that additional piece in there makes such an enormous difference. Do you have any advice for IT leaders looking to change behaviors of students and faculty and staff? Yeah, I think so. I mean, part of the idea of putting together a strategic plan is that you can actually measure things, right? You can tell if you're making a difference. And there are some tools that will help with that. You can do simulated phishing, you know, or something and get an idea of, well, how does it look this year as compared to the year before? But I think the main thing is, honestly, it's it's painful, but it's patience. And it's understanding that you have very different audiences. And the types of communications I would develop for an IT professional compared to a liberal arts student are very different because they have very different backgrounds. They, they work in a very different context. So a lot of the work is really around what I would say contextualizing our message. Uh, it's not always just about simplifying. It's about making it appropriate for that target audience. So it's understanding they've got these different groups. By the same token, for students, the things that faculty, staff are accepted in terms of social media, Facebook, things like that, most of the students aren't there now. So a lot of what our strategy has been in terms of bringing in students, especially to do the communications, is they know where the students are. They know that, well, Instagram's big now, so we want, so our office wants an Instagram presence. So it's, part of it is going taking a message to where people are, you know, and helping to, that will help them receive it rather than just, well, I posted this or I sent this through email and well, if they didn't do it, they didn't do it. The strategic plan idea actually goes back to an article I drafted for Educause a few years ago. And it's the idea that you need information coming in different ways and in, from different directions. There was a experiment called the biodome, I think in Arizona. And in the biodome, they grew all of these, um, they grew everything, right? The idea was to be self-sustainable. They had trees in there. When the trees got to a certain height, they fell over. And the reason they fell over is because there was no wind. They had not developed any roots. So my take on this and how I made the jump to apply this to security awareness and strategic planning in general, is that you have to have, even if it's a light breeze of information going out, you know, on a regular basis, you need that information coming from different directions. So the idea is to focus comprehensively on what are the many different ways that we could reach people, um, choosing what we can to do, which none of us can do everything that we'd like to do with it. But really thinking in terms of this is, I need a three-year plan. I'll modify it, but what do I want to accomplish over the next two to three years? And thinking that way instead of, oh, we've been attacked, we need to communicate. We've been attacked, we need to communicate. And there's no real progress. It's always reactive. So I think that's what makes the difference is we're attempting to be proactive when we put those plans together. How do you sign up if you want to participate in one of these learning labs? What does that process look like? So for the Educause Learning Labs, Educause has the enrollment link essentially on their website. You register for it. What is nice about them is they are only six and a half to seven hours total time. So we'll have a 
kind of an orientation. Then we'll do an hour and a half and then we'll do an hour and a half a week later. And we'll do an hour and a half the week after that. So they're not super time consuming and nobody is grueling. You know, they're not grueling. They're not exhausting. Like, oh my gosh, it's three and a half hours. And, you know, I need to take a break. And did you say that there's one in March as well? Will that be yes, the same content? I am, no, it is different content entirely. And thank you for asking about that. I am doing, I have, I say passions in multiple areas. So the um, learning lab I'm doing in March is on introverts and leadership. So a lot of my passion is helping introverts understand their strengths and how they can become leaders. And I've actually teach that as a one credit class at RIT five week class. And I've spoken on it for a number of years and I am thrilled to have the opportunity to do this with Educause as a learning lab and have us work through, we'll work through some temperament exercises, we'll share stories. We're actually having virtual improvisation workshop as part of that class as well, uh, facilitated by an improv professional that I've worked with on a number of occasions. And we will basically learn, you know, what are the challenges we face? What are the strategies for overcoming them? So I'm, I'm very excited about that one coming up. Benwell, Governance Training and Awareness Manager at the Rochester Institute of Technology. You can read more about him and security and privacy at edscoop.com and in links in today's show notes. You can also find a link to Ben's podcast, Hope for the Introvert, in the show notes as well. The Cutting Edge Podcast is available at cuttingedgepodcast.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. Next time on the show, Bridget Uhas from Butler University talks about how student mental health assessments are giving institutions real insight into student success. This show is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Carlin Fisher and James Mahoney help make it happen, and the entire team contributes. Until next time, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.